Welcome to the BJSM Podcast. This is part two of a two-part podcast with Dr. Jane Thornton. Dr. Thornton is a sports medicine physician and researcher currently based in London, Ontario, and Canada, and is an international advocate for physical activity. Alongside a super impressive medical career, Dr. Thornton is also a world champion and Olympic rower for Canada. Let's dive straight back into the conversation. Alongside leading the National Medical Education Strategy in Canada to prioritize physical activity education, you've also developed medical curricula and educational resources that are being used around the world. Can you tell our listeners a bit about your efforts and what exactly is my active ingredient? Uh, certainly. I, I feel very privileged to have learned from some great uh, educators that I continue to, that continue to mentor me. Uh, here in Canada and and also abroad, and it really started about five years ago when I went through uh, the University of Toronto uh, Medical School. It was fantastic uh, education, and uh, one thing that was lacking through that though was um, any lectures or uh, instruction and so on on physical activity. So coming from the background that I did. Uh, I approached the curriculum director in my final year and asked if that would be something that we could start teaching in medical school. And I was fortunate enough at the time, it was just a kind of opportune time because there was curriculum change happening. And so from that year on, so this was about five years ago, uh, starting to teach at the medical school in Toronto. And since then, many others have come in and are able to lecture so that we have most years covered in terms of physical activity in the curriculum. So definite kudos to the University of Toronto for taking that on right away. Um, there are certain uh, other universities. Um, I also teach here at the uh, university, uh, Western University in London, Ontario. But there are certainly other schools that have things inputted into their curriculum, and it really has started to ramp up in uh, recent years. So it's it's probably been about six years since this has started, and there's a really big push and a lot of things happening that are encouraging. When I was uh, and I finished medical school, I went over to Switzerland and learned from many. Um, people there as well. So just help develop some resources uh, for the family physicians in the area, some kind of fact sheets for physicians. And at the time was also started to get involved into what the phenomenal uh, leader Anne Gates of Exercise Works was doing in the UK. Um, and I, I generally speak when I'm talking about physical activity prescription to physicians, simply because that's uh, the uh, my kind of advocacy is is really around trying to get physicians to promote physical activity. I think it's a, a huge area. But Anne, for example, Anne Gates will has created um, free online courses for all healthcare providers. So certainly she's been instrumental in achieving more of a community of practice and and allowing us to learn from each other. So taking all of those things and really saying, you know what, uh, my aim is to equip physicians and students and residents to be able to feel that they are able to to prescribe exercise or physical activity, I should say, in, in for all patients, regardless of specialty. And I also firmly believe in things like free open access to medical education. So uh, fortunately, there are many people out there that are really trying to um, create free access to these important resources. I, I just think that part is so key because we have, it's really become an ep- epidemic of physical inactivity. And, and I really think we need all hands on deck from a multidisciplinary aspect from all sorts of uh, providers to be able to share best practices with each other. So I'm, I'm lucky to collaborate with a lot of different people that are, and stakeholders in Canada that are really willing to see this go forward. 
What are some other tools or resources, like Anne Gates' Exercise Works, that you recommend clinicians or patients use to become more physically active? There's, there's quite a few. I mean, I think that, uh, so for example, you mentioned Dr. Mike Evans, whose whiteboard 23 and a half hours is a really good animation for both uh, patients, providers, something to put in the waiting room. In terms of what my active ingredient uh, is, was, was essentially um, a follow-up to the Make Your Day Harder website, which is still active, looking specifically at patient resources for physical activity and chronic conditions. So those were the follow-up study from the study I mentioned earlier in Toronto was essentially looking at from using patient-informed design uh, to uh, have these handouts created. And so essentially those same patients who weighed in on specific uh, aspects of physical activity, counseling, uh, we looked again at interviews and focus groups to have uh, patients talk to us about how they would like counseling to look like. And a lot of them did want providers to speak with them and also have a personalized handouts, something they could take with them. So uh, patient, so we had patient and provider input and basically designed uh, seven uh, handouts uh, looking at physical activity and chronic conditions, including things like cardiovascular disease, cancer, uh, lung conditions, type 2 diabetes, neurological conditions, and so on. And so those were actually endorsed by our College of Family Physicians of Canada and put on to their uh, prevention enhance site, which is dedicated to preventative uh, practice. So that was that was really interesting. It was a really good uptake, and they're being translated now into French, which is our other official language over here. But you know, I think some other resources uh, certainly. Uh, I think Basm, so uh, through their Motivate to Move, has a lot of great physician-facing resources. FIS, which is through FYSS, through the Swedish uh, National Institute of Health, has some great resources. Uh, kind of a free online textbook that deals with. Uh, evidence for physical activity in uh, several chronic conditions. And and I also, I, I think, I'm really heartened by what the WHO is doing through their global action plan on physical activity. They've got a, they're really calling for a systems-based approach and they have uh, four objectives that they're trying to meet in terms of increasing physical activity. So I think from an overall approach, those are really key resources for us as physicians to, to be able to look at and be familiar with. You mentioned the systems-based approach from the World Health Organization. And if we take a bottom-up approach now moving back to the coalface, one of the most common complaints I hear from clinicians is that there is too little time within an already very short consultation to counsel patients on physical activity. And I was wondering, what do you recommend clinicians do if they only have 60 seconds at the end of a consultation to try and talk to their patients about being more physically active? It's, a, it's an interesting question and one that I get a lot. And I think that uh, in an ideal world, we would have the time to do motivational interviewing, certainly to do that formally, the way that it was initially taught and intended. It's likely take an hour, an hour and a half, which is simply impossible for many clinicians, especially ones that are facing a, a long list of patients for the day and trying to get through a consultation in 10 to 15 minutes. So there's there's a few key points to that question. And I think first and foremost is that training of physicians and physicians-to-be, I think just having them understand, all of us kind of understand how important and critical physical activity is 
to the chronic conditions that we see on a daily basis, we'll be able to integrate that into our counseling when it involves other treatments and, and other things. So for example, if I meet someone who's newly diagnosed as a type two with type two diabetes, for example, I need to know as a as a physician or even as a medical student counseling what medications would be uh, viable for them, what would be ideal for them. And that's part of practice. And to understand how physical activity also fits into that context is critical. And so I think that it doesn't necessarily need to be a separate part of a conversation, but really making it part of our understanding in each of the chronic conditions that we face uh, on a daily basis, basis with our patients. The other thing, too, is that there has been research done showing brief, the power of the brief intervention, so that even if we have limited time, part of it is really bringing awareness to both patient and physician or healthcare provider in terms of having physical activity, being part of the conversation at each visit, underscores the importance of it, and then may prompt further discussion at a visit that you might have more time to deal with that particular topic. So even things like asking uh, how much physical activity are you getting and how regularly or just in terms of how is physical activity a part of your daily life. It's it's sometimes hard to quantify that. I, I would say from a research standpoint, it's almost always hard to accurately quantify that. Uh, but certainly, I, I really think that one of the key messages that we might not get as physicians is, is how, how uh, clear the evidence is for even starting to become physically active when you're not. So essentially, not necessarily that we have to go to zero to 150 minutes per week, but really thinking about having that sedentary patient or slightly active patient become a little bit more active and understanding the reasons behind that. So that conversation doesn't necessarily need to take very long. It's a simple, where are you at? What do you like to do? Let's write a, a bit of a prescription and, and kind of check in on those particular things. So I think uh, we make it more than it needs to be. I think in general, uh, really having someone uh, gradually progress with physical activity is, is something that we can, we can afford to, to fit into to our daily visits. You mentioned before that you completed your medical residency in Switzerland. And I know in Switzerland, there's a very successful physical activity prescription program or scheme currently being implemented. And I was wondering if you knew about anywhere else in the world where physical activity prescription is being performed successfully. Yeah, I, I mean, I should clarify, I did one year of, actually of residency in Switzerland in primary care um, and preventative uh, secondary prevention uh, in cardiovascular uh, health. So I finished my residency actually back in Canada. But through that, uh, I did have the chance to, to meet uh, and also even just uh, via other collaborative networks, try to, to find out what are best practices in the world. So uh, I've tried, to, I think I visited probably, I've trained in I think about seven or eight countries now, specifically with people who are putting physical activity into their practices. And uh, so that's, uh, so I would say that in Canada, we're starting to get it. The U.S. certainly has some big initiatives going on that uh, are trying to include it more. Um, I, I think uh, the U.K. Uh, and also Australia, to me, seem to be real standard bearers in, in terms of at least the advocacy of trying to get physical activity uh, into the conversation 
and I've learned a lot from from both of those. New Zealand also has um, some resources, and and they're certainly trying to get physical activity uh, into the medical curriculum more so. I agree. There's a in Switzerland, paprika is a really uh, so it's, it stands loosely for physical activity and primary care, and and they've got a lot of of good things going on and uh, train many uh, general practitioners in terms of physical activity prescription through uh, half-day workshops held throughout the year. And even uh, I I spent some time in Luxembourg, and uh, interestingly, they, they have some good websites and resources for patients. And one of the things I, I brought back from Luxembourg that also happens in Germany um, is that they have uh, dedicated, and actually in Switzerland, they have websites that that include the country map that you can essentially uh, scroll over with your mouse and try and find locations that are that have free exercise classes as or and cl- exercise classes that are geared towards patients with certain chronic conditions or, for example, uh, an exercise class for breast cancer survivors or exercise class for those with metabolic uh, disease or that kind of thing where they're really trying to create uh, online resources that are available to the patient. The thing I love about that is that patients and practitioners can look at those kinds of things. Like Canada has quite a big map, but uh, certainly we can signpost to existing resources within the community that might be specifically beneficial for them. And I I always like trying to find free resources and initiatives. For example, Park Run comes to mind and things like that, that I can direct patients to that doesn't involve further um, expenses, certainly because that in and of itself can sometimes create barriers. It's it's interesting what's happening around the world from innovation. So that's from the physical activity perspective, but I'm also cognizant of things like just innovative practices that I like highlighting things like uh, when I was working in Lausanne, beautiful building that was specifically trying to promote physical activity. They had a, a, a beautiful staircase in the Polyclinique Medicale Universitaire, which is part of the CHUV, which is their university hospital. Beautiful atrium, sun pouring down over the staircase, and it was a meeting place for people. It encouraged physical activity. Here, there's a, in McMaster University, which is down the road in Hamilton, Ontario. They do, they have initiatives like putting um, in, in bed cycles. Uh, they did a pilot project where they put in bed exercise cycles into the ICU that uh, essentially for patients to be physically active, even if, even for example, if they were unconscious through the electric, the powered uh, cycle that would essentially cycle for them. And it's just fascinating to see what people are doing in, in hospitals to try to, uh, to get patients more active, which I think is, to me, as fascinating as getting people active when you're seeing them in the clinic in primary care. If we're already instituting things during those key moments when people may be experiencing uh, life-altering events, for example, it's uh, sometimes a way to, you know, you obviously don't wish those events to happen, but uh, to really take hold of those moments to promote something that could be sustainable and aid in secondary prevention. So one last example for that would be that I love is uh, there was a hospital in LA a couple of years ago that instituted, uh, so having patients wear accelerometers and uh, basically uh, that would help them determine how many steps per day uh, and leading to uh, an earlier discharge out of hospital. So they were motivated to get steps in per day which would be also uh, checked in on by their physician. And, and 
they also did things like put art around the hospital so that patients would have a guide to kind of walk to a piece of art, like a little mini art gallery in a hospital. So all of those things make me think that a lot of people are doing really creative things around the world. And all I hope to do is try to signpost to those things and hope that we can adopt some of the best evidence strategies here in Canada. Is physical activity prescription something that only primary care physicians or sports medicine physicians should be talking about with their patients? Oh, I don't think so. I think there's a, there's great uh, evidence for other healthcare providers to be able to weigh in on this. And I truly think it's a community of practice. Uh, I think that sport and exercise medicine physicians and clinicians have a, a great pivotal role. But for one example that really comes to mind that from whom I'm always learning is really community of physiotherapists. So they certainly have a different angle. They're much more kind of hands-on in the moment and they can uh, also guide patients really well in this uh, in this particular conversation. So uh, certainly they would be easy go-to for a lot of clinicians to to refer on to and, and some a community that I learn a lot from in this regard. Dr. Thornton, I want to be mindful of your time, but before we let you go, can you leave our listeners with three key clinical messages that they can apply in their practice? Uh, certainly. I think... One of the big ones is at every clinical encounter that you can to even mention physical activity and underscore its importance in the reason for the visit for your patient and to understand about their activity history and preferences and kind of uh, help help them along in their progression towards um, optimal physical activity for their health. Uh, number two, and, and really is this is in no specific order, maybe this should be the top one, is really focus on shared decision-making and the power that patients uh, can have in determining, I guess, allow them to have some autonomy in, in terms of physical activity, in terms of their preference and things like that. There's a big movement for peer-to-peer healthcare these days, and it's really engaging and empowering patients to make better health decisions and teach us as providers in terms of how that might work. So involve the patient uh, at any point you can. And the third thing that I would say is there are a lot of barriers and facilitators for physical activity. One of the big ones is shared as uh, social determinants of health that as clinicians, we really need to be uh, aware of. With all that said, the biggest part of it is really to have that rapport with our patients and to follow up and really try to to facilitate better health through through phys- physical activity for for all of them. Dr. Thornton, thank you very much for your time today. And on behalf of the whole BJSM community, thank you for all of your efforts and advocacy work in this space. If our listeners would like to find out more about you or your work, where should they go? Likely uh, Twitter, it's my handle is at Jane S. Thornton. Also, for those that are wanting to look at more patient, uh, so physical activity resources, we try to curate that through uh, the Twitter account at my active ingredient, um, which is too long for all those letters. So it's at M-Y-A-C-T-I-V-I-N-G-R-E-D-N-T. And uh, that would be certainly where I would start. And hopefully through our Canadian Association, um, the Canadian Academy of Sport and Exercise Medicine, we're hoping to have a page full of free resources for, for people to use. So that should be up imminently. Thank you for listening to this BJSM podcast with Dr. Jane Thornton. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
please share it with friends, or leave us a review and connect to our social media channels. You can listen to a new, clinically relevant BJSM podcast every Friday, and there is no better place to find them than on the BJSM app. As always, we hope you have a physically active day. Bye.